0: The Cost Camps Coaches Show, Episode Seven. (music) Coaches welcome to the Cost Camps Coaches Show. On the show today, we have Brian Stroll. He's the head football coach at Cacalico High School. Coach Stroll, right out of college, Coach Stroll got uh, hired at Cacalico as a teacher. And he, he began his coaching career there as well as a volunteer. He volunteered there for two years. Uh, got a contracted position in 2007 for the next 15 years. He was an assistant under head coach Dave Gingrich. Now he's in his second season as the head football coach at Cacalico. So he has a similar story with, with what we talked with Coach Jagger the other day about um, getting hired right, right as uh, COVID hit or right before COVID hit, I guess. And uh, kind of schools got dismissed and and, and the lockdown started. Um, Coach Stroll, welcome to the show, first of all. And then say hi to everybody. And then can you kind of get into what that was like when you first got hired?
1: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me, uh, Coach Costello. Uh, uh, For those that don't know, we had played together back at Susquehanna University, too. So uh, it's neat to kind of get back in touch with you and I uh, look forward to the conversation. So, hey Coach, uh, just uh, before
0: you move on, just so you know, both of us have lost, you know, with with they talk about CT and everything. I feel like our helmets we we came together a lot. Coach was on offense, I was on defense. So <laughs> so we may have lost a lot of brain cells, but we're hanging in there. We're doing all right. Yeah.
1: This is true. I still have a scar on my nose from my helmet that didn't fit so well, and uh, <laughs> would get bloody every game. But you know, it's one of those one of those stories you can tell your kids and grandkids about. And it was, football was a different game back yep. then, different yep. level of toughness. Yep. But no, um, as far as the whole being hired during COVID thing, know, uh, yeah, I listened to your interview with Coach Egger, and uh, him and I have become pretty good buddies throughout. Uh, As somebody I didn't really know, i kind of followed him a little bit when he played in college and everything. And then when he was hired, I uh, you know, reached out, congratulated him and, you know, knew we were kind of going through this together and, uh, you know, we kind of shared ideas with each other. So if, you know, if some of the listeners listen to that, his interview, uh, we did a lot similar. Now it was a slightly different situation in that, um, you know, I had been at Cacalico for a while and, you know, knew the current players and, uh, you know, I think the official hiring was mid-January. Uh, you know, and COVID obviously was more mid-March, so had a little bit of time where I had already met the team. You know, introduced myself as the head coach, and uh, you know, let the kids know, you know we were going to be keeping the staff and everything. So uh, you know, we had moved forward with, with the weight room and everything. And uh, I still remember you know the day where we found out we were going to be be out. And at first it was one week and until we left the weight room, we found out it was going to be two weeks. And, uh, you know, we got, uh, some of the the bands in the weight room that we have and tried to get those to kids as many as we could before they left, just trying to think of ways to uh, give them workouts to do at home. So then later on, you know, kids who weren't able to get them that day, I put a box of them outside of my house and told the kids, feel free to stop by and grab one. And, um, uh, then just trying to keep them engaged and active and working out, and, you know, sitting at home, eating chips and playing video games, uh, you know, kind of became the, the number one priority at that time. So luckily we have, uh, you know, strength coach John Good, who uh, does some some great things with the kids in the weight room, uh, and him and uh, another assistant in, Mitchell Schober put together some videos and things that we sent out to the kids for different things they could do with the workout band, as well as, you know, some of the body, you know, just body lifts, body squats, uh, that kind of thing that coach Egger talked about as well. So, um, you know, it was just trying to keep the kids engaged early on was the big thing.
0: Coach Schober is the, uh, he, he does a lot with uh, CrossFit. Am I right with saying that? Yes, that's correct. He, he um, I guess, I, at, at LVC, I C I'd worked with Roman Clay, and a lot of people might know that name because he, he was such a phenomenal player, but he, he was a, a coach on the staff, and I think they they would do that CrossFit together. And some of the stuff, I'd, I'm not really familiar with CrossFit, but some of that stuff sounds like it would transfer so well to football, and having a guy like Coach Schober would pro- was probably such an unbelievable asset, because they, you know, they talk a lot, at least Coach Clay would talk about like hits, hip snapping and... How quickly you could do that, and and, and that's such a, a transferable strength to football. Is that kind of oh, stuff definitely. that he focused on? Yeah,
1: I mean, so he has that background, uh, and then Coach Good is more you know more of the Olympic lift, power right, lift, right. that kind of thing. So it's a nice balance. Uh, you know, when we do our summer workouts, they work together, and um, yeah, I think one of the big differences from you know back when we played whatever is there's we have a big focus on the stretching, the flexibility as well. And a lot of that comes with uh, the CrossFit mentality as well. So, you know, we try to give the kids a nice balance of, of workouts so that, you know, they're getting those power lifts, but they're also not getting tight and not pulling things. Um, So, uh, yeah, I'm sure every head coach would say this too, but you know, we're the person who maybe gets interviewed or whatever, but there's so much more to it. And, one of the big things in the transition to head coach that I lucked out on was the majority of our staff stayed in place. Um, You know, we had our special teams coach, Dan Sukanik, who had been at Wilson for years and then had been with us here for years. Um, He knew he was retiring from teaching. And when Coach Gamer stepped down, he knew that was going to be it for him too. But other than that, everybody else stayed on. And uh, having that continuity is so important. And having guys that you know, we know what each other are saying before we say it, uh, and uh, you know, that having that trust and knowing that you have a quality group of you know football minds, but also just great people, great individuals to work with your kids, work with the team, that's huge. So I can't say enough about the guys that we have on our staff and what they do for our kids, not just during football season, but all throughout the all season as well.
0: Well, you you talk about the uh, the staff consistency through a transition being a, a strength. That that that's certainly the case, and it was with Cacalico. But the, you know the the saying always goes, or maybe it doesn't always go, but I've heard it a lot. Is you don't want to replace a legend, you don't want to be the head coach <laughs> that replaces a legend. And it, in the the uh, the the, the Cacalico area, if, if you don't know Coach Gamrick, Coach Dave Gamerick built that program up, and um, I would think he is somebody that that raised the bar there set, and set it high, and that would be a tough bar to keep up there. Can you talk yeah, that, about that, replacing him and and how that? Did talk about that transition?
1: Sure, and even I mean, I'll go back even before Coach Gangerick with Coach Kaufman. Uh, yeah, I know some people sure. have said it's like yep. the Pittsburgh Steelers around here because <laughs> you know they they went from Chuck Noll to Bill Coward, Mike Tomlin, and. Uh, you know, it's like when you get that gig, you're there for 20 plus years. Uh, you know, Coach Kaufman did a tremendous job for so many years. Uh, you know, and at that time they were playing in section three. It was different teams that they were playing against, but um, you know, had tremendous success and you know, built kakaliko around the veer offense. And you know, at that time it was more the split back veer, that kind of thing. But um, you know, I think he kind of laid the groundwork for the program that then Coach Gingrich took over. And as you mentioned, I, I think he took it to another level. Um, you know, we were playing against bigger schools than they were back uh when Coach Kaufman was there and you know section two and built the whole rivalry with Manhun Central and everything like that. And um yeah, I, I can't say enough about Dave Gingrich. Um you know, anybody who's ever played for him, knows him. Uh, you know, he can be tough on people, but he'll also love you up. And I think some people in the stands might see him hollering at a kid, but what they don't see is him pulling that kid aside afterwards and you know, having a heart to heart about you know why he came down on him and that kind of thing. And uh, there's so many I mean, Coach Ginger and I have different personalities, but there are so many things that I learned from him that I applied today. Uh, you know, in that role. And uh, there's obviously many different types of situations you can take over. And uh, I would agree with you that replacing a legend is, is difficult, but it's also good in that that culture is already there and in place. And now you're more putting your stamp on it and trying to, you know, similar to what he did with how coach Kaufman had set the bar and he raised it. I look at, you know, our goal is to take it from where, he left it and continued to, to climb. So, um, you know, I, I think I talked to coach Horn a little bit over at Mannheim central too. Obviously There's he was a in a similar situation. Right yep. Yep. that's a uh, good yeah. Example. Certainly picked his brain a little bit as well. And obviously, you know, we're rivals and everything on the field, but, um, you know, he had reached out to me early on and, you know, I, I know we had talked at a clinic one time. I don't know if he remembers it or not, but we were waiting around and just said you know, about how it, feels like there's more things that coaches can do for young coaches getting into that role because you don't know what you're getting into until you're actually into it. So yeah, coming back to your question, having that culture already in place is huge. Um, And already knowing the kids was nice. And um, as far as COVID goes, obviously there was a lot of challenges with it, but I think we were planning on keeping things fairly similar. And what COVID I think did for me, for us was I think it helped, the kids to see me in that head coach role just because we had to make changes that maybe we wouldn't have made otherwise, but you had to make changes to schedules and the way you did things. So, um, kind of forced some of that on us.
0: What is your, besides being the head coach, what, what else, what other titles or what roles do you have with the football team in terms of game planning? And, and in other words, are you, are you a coordinator? Your position coach, what else are you doing?
1: So I call the offense, um, which that was a change that, again, we we knew this transition was going to happen a couple years in advance. It was something that David talked to me about. And, you know, at first I was like, I don't know if I ever need to be a head coach. I just enjoy working with kids. And, you know, the more I thought about it, I wanted to see Calico football continue. And, um, you know, we weren't sure if anybody else on the staff would really want that role. And um, so decided at least two years in advance that, Um, you know, we would be going that direction. So with that in mind, like I had always been more on the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, as far as game planning goes, I coached the running backs and always knew what was going on with the offense. But um, over the last two years, really started to transition more to the offensive side. And um, I think there's a lot to be said, too, for when you work on the defensive side for so many years and you try to work on defending the option and defending defense or offenses, You know, I think then when you flip the roles, it helps you, um, you know, on the offensive side too. So, um, you know, since taking over as head coach, I've been calling the the plays on the the offensive side. Uh, And, uh, you know, my right-hand man is Coach Mark Stauffer, who has been coaching offensive line here. He came over, um, had started at McCaskey, uh, was there for, I don't know, close to 10 years, I believe, and then when dave took the job at calico he hired mark to be his line coach and his knowledge of the option offense and his just he's continuing to learn watch his army navy air force sends me clips left and right i couldn't even (laughs) tell you how many videos i have on my phone of plays that they're running and you know what if we did this what if we did that and you know it's trying to sift through all that and pick out you know what's going to work for us but um, yeah, as far as game planning now, it's pretty much on the offensive side. And uh, Chris Loudenslager is our defensive coordinator and was doing that uh, when, when Dave was the head coach too. So I kind of trust him and the defensive staff to do their thing. And uh, I pretty much stay more on the offensive side now.
0: When you guys are game planning offensively, does that – does that start does that start on the Saturday following a Friday night's game do you, do you start to look at the team you're gonna play the next Friday before the the, the previous Friday night's game How, when do you guys yeah. start the game planning process well what we do
1: uh, and I think what we do is probably a little different than what what some other schools do uh, first of all we don't bring our kids in on the weekend uh, that was something that we never did with Dave as the head coach and um, you know I'm sure there's some benefits to it obviously but uh, ultimately I think as a staff, we believe the kids need to be kids too. And, you know, some have jobs. And, uh, you know, I know we talked before a little bit about, you know, you still have people with farms and things like that in the community. And yeah, you know, football requires so much time, uh, commitment from the kids, from the coaches. Uh, so as far as we don't bring the kids in over the weekend, we ask them to watch some film that we'll send out to them. Uh, but what we do as coaches, we meet after the games Friday night, uh, at one of the coaches' houses, either mine or uh, Coach Loudon's loggers normally, uh, and we'll watch our film. Uh, so normally that that goes till about two in the morning or so, and and go home and sleep for a little bit. Wow! And, so
0: you're uh, watching at, that night's game, the game you just played. You're watching that Friday night. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah.
1: So and that kind of started. You know. I don't know, years ago, this would have been. So Dave's son, Brock, is now playing at Delaware. Mark's son, Jerry just graduated or is you know, will graduate, just finished his senior year. But back when they were playing ninja football and then other coaches had kids in youth soccer, and it was like, you know, instead of trying to get together on the weekend so much, let's just get it done Friday night afterwards. We're all here anyway. Um, so we've continued that. And, you know, for me, I've got, you know, next year I'll have one kid playing flag football Saturday mornings and another kid playing tackle football on a Sunday afternoon. So, yeah. And then you got other coaches with similar crazy schedule. So we, we just meet Friday night afterwards and, um, yeah, watch, watch the game and we go through that. And, uh, you know, and then as coaches we'll send out clips to our individual positions, uh, you know, with comments and things that we ask them to watch over the weekend. Um, But at that point, when we leave, say two a.m. or whatever Saturday morning, we kind of put the game from Friday behind us, and then we'll watch all the other, you know, say three games or whatever we get, um, as well as often the game from the previous year. uh, We'll watch that on our own, and then what I normally do, offensive wise, anyway, uh, Coach Stafford and I will meet on a Sunday afternoon, uh, whenever it's convenient for us, and go through figuring out our call sheet and our game plan and all that good stuff, and and get all the other coaches on board.
0: What are you guys doing on Mondays then?
1: So Mondays normally we have JV games. Yep. Um, so those kids will have that game. And then um, our kids that aren't playing in the JV game will normally watch the film of, you know, we don't watch. I think back to when I played in high school, and I remember you'd have the old VHS, cowboy remote or whatever, and you'd have to go. Yeah, now we'll we'll highlight normally 30 or 40 plays or so that we'll watch as a team. Uh, now, again, we'll we'll have sent out, you know, I might have 15 plays that I send out to quarterbacks to watch. And, um, you know, our receivers coach might send different 20 plays out to his receivers and our line coach. He goes through pretty much every play with every five kids or all of the five linemen plus the tight end. And he's puts a ton of time into that too. But, you know, there we send out different plays. Uh, but we'll pick a couple plays to highlight for the team, some good, some bad, some ugly, uh, that we'll watch on Mondays. And then we'll lift, and then we'll run them. If the JVs are home, we'll go up and support them for the end of the game. And uh, then we really get into our main practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and then kind of a pregame practice Thursday.
0: How much filming of practice do you do? And, and do you will you sit down and watch it with the players where you do a similar kind of cut-up thing that you do with the games? What do you do with film, coach? Uh,
1: well, one thing that we did this past offseason that at first, when it was Coach Schober who brought the idea up to us about getting a drone, and I was like, do we really need this thing? Like, you know, is it really that good? And of course, he starts doing the research, sending me clips of this is what this looks like, and look at the angle. And honestly, we filmed a lot of stuff in the spring and summer, just, you know, seven on seven things or, um, you know, whenever we had team interactions, team camp, that kind of thing, uh, whenever we could. And that was such a huge learning tool because, you know, that, that's the time of year where you're installing the basics and you've got the young kids. And I think so often kids need to see that. And we hadn't done a ton of filming of, you know, off season stuff. Um, but the, the view of the drone is awesome for our line coaches to see because it's like the end zone camera view. But you also get, the wide idea too, to see the whole field. So, uh, you know, that was great for us in the off season during the season. Um, I know our, our D line coach will film some things just you know, kind of just standing back there with an iPad. Right. Um, yep. and he'll break some of that down. And sometimes we'll film our seven on seven if our, uh, DB's coach wants to go through that. But honestly, like just the, I wish I had time to go through practice film throughout a week too, but it's so hard because you're trying to watch film of the other team. You have quarterback club meetings on Tuesday nights. We have Wednesday nights where um, you know our skill kids come to my house. Our linemen go to Coach Stouffer's house, and uh, we feed them, and then we watch film together there of the team we're playing. So just your time is so limited, and you know it, it's already such a time commitment as it is and you've got a family as well. So you're trying to balance everything. I, I wish there was more time, but unfortunately you got to try to make those decisions.
0: Going back to what you talking about your drone. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of plant the seed right now. We had a drone at lower dolphin this year. We had a drone. I saw when, when I was still working at Lebanon Valley in the spring, we had a game at Alvernia, because it was an exhibition game, Alvernia had a drone and filmed the game, drone footage, shared it with us. It's unbelievable, and we used yeah. we used our drone for practice. We and and um, we only got it midway through the season, but I think the the, the head coach at off and he kind of got the idea because there was a team at at the team camp that they were at. There was a team there that used a drone at the team camp. So it's, mm-hmm. it is an unbelievable view, and, and I'll, I'll talk more about drones in, in another episode. That that could be a whole other episode and a whole other plug <laughs> for drones. But, yeah, they're awesome.
1: Yeah, definitely a game changer.
0: Do you guys then – okay, so so when you, you're practicing, you practice – your JVs come back to practice on Tuesday. So everybody's there Tuesday. Do mm-hmm. you guys kind of do a Tuesday practice where it's offense-focused with a little bit of defense and then flip it to the next day where it's – kind of like a defensive focus and, and a little bit of offense on Wednesday and then kind of hit try to hit everything on a Thursday.
1: That's exactly what we do. So pretty much we leave a half hour for the other side of the ball. Uh, normally Tuesdays are our main offensive day. Um, it's a half hour of defense, and then Wednesdays flip that. Uh, and then Thursdays all over the place with different special teams, you know, a little bit of offense here, a little bit of defense, two-minute drill, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy when you think – you have one main day of offensive practice, and uh, that's where, like I mentioned, you see all those videos and things that some of the academies are doing and things you'd love to do, but he, ultimately you've got high school kids who you know, they've got homework to do. They've got um, you know, other things going on in their lives too. They're playing on the other side of the ball, and you don't want to give them too much that then what you're doing you're not doing a great job of. So sometimes less is more.
0: I used to question coaches that would do the whole two platoon thing, just because I thought they were taking like their best athletes out of the game on one side of the ball. But man, when, when you talk about, and I've never been a part of a of a of a high school program that did the two platoon thing either. Mm-hmm. But I see it done. But and man, that they, because their their players are only focusing on one side of the ball, that that is a, in terms of just knowledge of the game and what they're doing, and you can correct them and teach them. You have that one extra day to do all that stuff. That is a that is quite the advantage.
1: Yeah. I mean, we love to as much as we can, but it's just eh, yeah, it's, maybe well, if you're it's, at it's, a big 6A yeah, school, right. it's, it's more doable, not, but just numbers wise, and then you have a couple injuries, and now you're really getting down on the death chart. So It's not
0: feasible with, with probably 90% of the high schools in the country, let alone Pennsylvania or District 3 or eastern half of Pennsylvania. It's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's the resources. They're just not there talking about your special team. So you, you kind of talked about, you know, Thursday, you kind of do it all. You mix in some special teams. Are you doing those on Tuesdays and Wednesdays as well?
1: We normally have 15 minutes of special teams Tuesday, 15 minutes of special teams Wednesday. Um, so normally, you know, say we do kickoff, kick return on Tuesday, punt punt return on Wednesday, and then Thursday, we'll go through all those again, plus PAT field goal. Um, kind of depends on when kickers are available as well. Cause we try, you know, we're able to get them at a practice. We'll try to right. do things that involve them. So, um, yeah, so we're, we're working that on Tuesday and Wednesday as well.
0: And you're, you said you're lifting with the varsity on Monday. You do a lift. Correct. So
1: guys. we have our kids get two lefts a week. So our varsity kids will lift Monday, Tuesday, our JV kids will lift Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, and then while the JV kids are lifting Wednesday, we'll often take the those varsity only kids and watch a little film with them of, uh, the team we're playing. um, you know, just because otherwise they're sitting around waiting. So let's, let's be effective with it. And then on Thursday we do a study hall right after school. Um, something that coach Gangrick had started that, you know, I think is a, a great thing. Again, the, these kids who you keep selling to them, your student athletes, I think it's something that shows that, you know, we put the value on the education part too. It gives them a time that they can see teachers if they need to after school rather than running right to practice. And, um, you know, to the teacher's credit, some of them will come and work with the kids at the, our study hall in the cafeteria oh, too. Great. And, um, you yeah, know, and then when, when they're done with their time studying, we'll read off the kids' names who have A's and how many A's they have. And if they have four A's, we stand up and clap for them, whatever. And um, yeah, and then we have a, a character coach, which now that could be a whole nother episode too. But um, Tim Van Dolan's our character coach okay. through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And okay. uh, he actually works with uh, Warwick, Manheim Township, and Hemfield are the three schools that uh you know he works with FCA now, but he had started with us as a character coach before that. Uh and that whole role of character coach can be whatever you want it to be, uh dependent on the individual, the school, the coach, whatever. But um, you know, Tim, I think has been with us maybe six, seven years now. And um he just does such a tremendous job for our program. He was uh he's been the head of our midget program for a couple years as well so it was nice to have that coordination but uh going back to thursdays he'll give a like a five to ten minute character talk with the kids and he's at our practices and he sees what's going on he knows what happened the week before and um you know we have our our general pillars of our program that kind of thing too but he tries to build it around but he also you know talks to the kids about things that are relevant in their life and so much of you know what we're trying to do. That's not just the football part, but the part about creating, you know, better students and better young men. So, uh, you know, what he brings to our program and doing that on Thursdays uh, has been a huge asset for you know what we're what we're all about and what we want our program to be known for.
0: Okay, so you're are you at the middle school now? I could count yeah. Like so
1: out. yeah, I taught my first nine years. I taught third grade. Uh, seven at Reamstown Elementary then two at Denver uh, and then had the opportunity to come over here to sixth grade which is at our middle school and um, took that opportunity and I love teaching elementary but um, first of all God bless all elementary teachers because (laughs) when you teach all those subjects there is just so much time and uh, you know coaching was an important part obviously you're a teacher first but um, it was an important part of what I felt like I was put on this earth to do and um you know being on the middle school schedule it's so much nicer to to do both jobs uh you know our time schedule matches up and uh what's great is you know sixth grade's the first year that this class is all together rather than at the individual elementary schools and I'll, i'll have half the kids in my class and the other half i see in the sixth grade hallway and get to know them and yeah, then you see them seventh and eighth grade years in the hallways, and then I'm over at the high school pretty much every day after school. So, you know, it's neat to be in the kids' lives for seven years, and for many of them, hopefully beyond that too.
0: There's a little bit of a recruiting aspect to that too, and, and again, that's that could be a whole other episode. But but just being able to talk to middle schoolers about football and and the advantages of and it's probably cool for them to see that the head coach is in their building and they're they're familiar yeah. with the
1: head coach. I mean, there are definitely advantages and disadvantages to not being in the high school, but um, you know, I I definitely like the situation. Like you said, you, you get to know those kids and it helps to, to get them out. And um, you know, luckily with having Coach Dalford and Coach Sean Smith, uh, they both teach P at the high school, so um, you know, I I think it'd be really difficult to not be in the high school sure. if you didn't have a couple coaches yeah. over there that you trust and who do a great job with. You know, helping you out with with things where you just need to be in the building. So, um, yeah, definitely pros and cons.
0: Okay, so tonight I know that that you've taken time here out of your you you had parent teacher conferences today, and they're they're going into the evening. So I appreciate you taking the time that you had with your break to talk to us coaches on the on the on the show. And and I know that I don't want to hold you up too much longer because I know you don't have much time, especially today. But I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, have you on again down the road. And we can talk about some of those things where, you know, the drone, the, the character coach, recruiting, all that stuff. Uh, maybe we can talk about some more of that stuff in the future, Coach. But I wish you luck. Um, you did a great job this year. And, and I know Coach Ganger proud of you. And, and uh, just – it's fun to watch you and and to see your name in in like the news headlines and things like that and and, and it's it's cool because i know you personally and, and you're a teammate of mine so i'm i'm thankful that you came on today and, and keep it rolling man
1: Well, thank you very much i appreciate you having me i love what you're doing here and uh, i think the whole podcast thing is nice i'm i'm a guy who tries to multitask and it's hard to watch and do something else where listening and uh, doing something else is often a, yep. A lot easier to do and i think it's a way that as coaches we can continue to learn from each other and um, i look forward to listening to the other ones that you other people you have on as well so thanks for having me best of luck with everything and uh,
0: i'll talk to you soon thanks coach appreciate it if you're enjoying the cost camps coaches show go over to costcamps.com that's c-o-s-c-a-m-p-s.com when you when you get there it's going to ask if you're a player or coach your coaches enter here click there and there's a little bit of a, a, a blog there kind of just goes over some of the things I've seen um, on the Internet. And that I haven't been as up-to-date on that as I like, and I'm going to work on that. And, and hopefully here in the upcoming weeks I'll get more on that. But just go over there and, and kind of check things out. And um, hope you enjoyed the show, today. See you next time.